You know, God is good, and I, I, this has just been a real wild week, you know, as, I, as I've looked at all the things that have happened. In, in the United States, we've had July 4th and celebrated our independence and, and where we celebrate our birthday as a country, and, and yesterday we celebrated the, the birthday of this church, you know, July 9th for 22 years, and the independence, you know, and the birth of a brand new nation, South Sudan, that's the 193rd nation now recognized by the United Nations. Uh, uh, I mean, it was, it was quite a deal, quite a big deal in Juba. They, they start celebrating there just about everything at midnight. They don't wait till the morning. They don't wait till first light. They don't care if there's electricity or not. They start at midnight. And so, you know, the news was talking about that and saying that, you know, the drums and the things were heard all across the country starting at midnight and went, I'm sure, all the way to the next midnight. When we left church here last night, it was about 6.15 or 6.30, which was about 1.30 or so in, in Sudan, and I'm sure they were all just getting to bed. It was a 24-hour celebration for many of them. Some of the young ones uh, that, that were at the orphanage, I guess some of the older kids at the children's home there at Dreamland, Stanley took them down to Freedom Square. And he went down, brought him down in the dump truck and everything, or in the pickup truck, and, and went down there. And he was part of the festivities, but some of them had never left Dreamland since they got there. You know, they've been there for a few years now. Some of them had never left. And so this was a big deal and a big trip. And uh, had a big celebration back at Dreamland, a big birthday party, Thanksgiving-type celebration for what God's done. And, and I want to share maybe just a little bit about that, because all of these things happened, you know, all within the same week. And as I was praying and looking at all of that kind of thing and all the stuff that happened and the great faith that it took, you know, to birth this country, to birth South Sudan, and really truly to birth this church here in Lafayette, that takes great faith. It takes revolutionary faith. And what God began to tie together and show, we tend to look at July 4th today and fireworks and we celebrate and we sing songs and we wave our flag and we do all those kind of things and and we tend to look at South Sudan and from January to now we said they got their vote for independence and they got theirs and now they're their own country and praise God and they're going in the right direction but what we tend not to see I think sometimes is the seed that it took to be planted to have that kind of harvest you know, in, in, in this country, there were people that, that had to, to risk their lives to get on boats and to come over here and to start a country. And for all of those years, they, they, they had to be oppressed by the, the people in, in Great Britain and all of the taxes and all of the stuff and all of the things. But meanwhile, underneath, there was this festering thought that we need to be free. We need to be free country. We need to be our own people. And, you know, they, 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 they began to band together and they began to... But it was individual people who began to have a thought that, you know what, this, is, maybe this has got to be different. It wasn't just one day everybody got upset and decided to do something different. For a lot of years, people were giving their life and giving up what they had so that this world or this country could be different. And in South Sudan, it's not much different. For 50 years, they've been in civil war. Stopping really in 2005, but the fighting hasn't stopped. It still goes on in different places. And, and the world turns its attention to Darfur and some other places. But there was a slaughter of over 2 million people that went on in Sudan as they continued to fight for their independence. So for 50 years, coming up to 2005, these people, there was somebody that stood up one day. 50-some, 60 years ago, stood up and said, I believe we can be free. I believe things can be different. And that was, I'm sure, a revolutionary thought. That took revolutionary faith for that person to say, I believe this country can be changed. I believe that we can be free. That we don't have to live under the oppression of the North. 
Now, here's the situation in Khartoum. They have stuff. The North Sudan has some things. They have cities. They have roads. They've, they've got malls. They've got things. But South Sudan is one of the poorest and most underdeveloped countries in the entire world. They have no roads. They have no cities. Most of the places where people live are just villages. When you fly across South Sudan in those little puddle jumper planes that we take in there, it's just green with little huts and little dirt road that goes somewhere. I asked Stanley when we were there, how do you not get lost when you go to Juba? It's 100 miles away and you don't have a map. He said, there's only one road. I said, oh, interesting. I hadn't been there yet. (laughs) I was concerned about the trip. I'm a map reader. (laughs) I started thinking, no kidding. He goes, yeah, we go there and we go left. And you know what we did? We went there and we went left and there wasn't another road. They don't have anything. They have very little education. Whatever education they have is basically people meeting under trees. Stanley has a fantastic facility. The things that we talk about and share about Pastor Stanley are not the norm in South Sudan. He, he, he's heads and tails above all, all of the people that are running around down there doing those things. They have the highest maternal mortality rate in the world, meaning moms die more when they have birth there, give birth to babies, than anywhere else in the entire world. They have the lowest female illiteracy, the highest female illiteracy rate in the world. They really, truly don't have anything. But there was some guy, some woman, some family, some village 50, 60 years ago who stood up and said, you know what? We could be free. And so for 50 years, they fought for freedom. For 50 years, they continued to follow the cause that God had put in their heart. For 50 years... The Muslims in the north, the Islamics, would come down and they would fight and they would bomb and they would do those things. Now the Islamics are coming down and slaughtering. That's what the Darfur thing is. They're just slaughtering just, just hundreds of thousands of people. And a whole generation of people grew up in that. But they, you know what they did? They decided to fight for a freedom that they themselves might never have. Much like the people who came to this country. The, the people who signed the Declaration of Independence, when all the stuff started, they, they weren't even really all born yet. They were, they were people in that point who were reaping the benefits of other people who had given their lives. Much like us are people who are reaping the freedom in this country because other people died, and they didn't even get to see the freedom in South Sudan. These, these, these millions of people said, I believe in the cause. I believe that it's true. I believe that God's put it in our heart. And you know what? I'm going to give myself my all for this cause. I believe that we can be free. And if I don't even get the freedom, I'm doing it for the ones who come after me. And that's a thought in this country that we don't usually take. That's a thought in this country that many of us just kind of give it a little shudder and just put it aside. If, if it's not worth me, if I don't get it, it's not worth me fighting for it. If, see, I mean, we're all about rights, but are we willing right now to fight for a right that our grandkids will have? See, are we, and that's what the church is going to have to do. It kind of goes with last week's message. If there's going to be a revolution in this country. It may not be a physical fighting revolution, but it's going to be a spiritual revolution. It's going to be a change. And the church is going to have to stand up. And we may not see all the things that we are fighting for and standing for, but our children and our grandchildren will. And it takes somebody willing to pay the price for those who follow after them. 
See, it's not about what I get now. We are a now society. The world is full of folks who will do whatever they can to have what they need right now. I'll sacrifice maybe a little bit, but we've even gotten rid of most of the sacrifice. Financially, we have credit. So we can get all kinds of stuff. And then what do we do? We stick our kids with the debt, not our kids with the freedom. <laughs> right? I mean, you're, you're, you're amassing all of these things. See, that's not right. That's not the direction that God would have us to go. He's about freedom. God is always about freedom. He sent Jesus to die on the cross so that all of us that came after him would have freedom. And so now we have to begin to think, maybe God has something revolutionary for us to do too. We're not going to secede from the country, and I'm not saying we're going to split and do all those kind of things. But spiritually, there has to be a revolution that takes place. This thing that went down in the Sudan seems to be a north and a south physical split. But it's a spiritual split because the Islamics were oppressing the Christian people in the south. There are some towns that are in the north that say, we're Christians, we don't want to be here. So the border is a little bit undisputed. People are trying to figure it all out because they drew the border and these people are in the north and they're saying, but we want to be in the south. We want to be free. See, the, the Islamic rule on that side, it, it, is, it is the bridge into Africa. Sudan's the largest country in Africa. The full Sudan, if you take north and south, it's the largest country in Africa. It's the bridge between the Islamic, the Arab Middle East and Africa. And everybody's coming in down through that way. All of the oil is in the south. All of the resources are there. So this is going, this will last. The enemy will always come against freedom. He comes against it in this country. He comes against it in the church. He comes against it in your house. He'll come against it in South Sudan as well. They are not done fighting. They may be done physically fighting, although some of it's still going on. But spiritually, they are going to have to stand, and they are going to have to still draw the line. They're still going to have to stay on God's side. They're still going to have to put up with some people coming against who they are and what they believe. But they have freedom. They have the freedom to do that. And if they will continue to do that, then that, that country will continue to go down the right path, they'll continue to flourish, and they'll continue to grow. No different than it is in this country and in the church. If we're going to have a revolution spiritually, and I think most of us would agree if we were blind polled and you just had a little piece of paper and said yes or no, do you believe this country needs a spiritual revolution? Most of us would probably say yes, watch TV, read the newspaper, look outside your door. And then you would fold it over and you'd put it in the bucket and we'd, we'd take a pull. And it'd be almost unanimous. Well, if that's going to happen, then we're going to, have to, we're going to have to fight a fight that we might not receive or see, all of us sitting here today, what we're fighting for. But do we believe in the cause enough? Do we believe in freedom enough? Do we believe in the dream that God's put in your heart enough to go after it even if you don't see it? Some of us are in this earth today to be foundation, not the building. And that's hard. There are 2 million people that died on the way to South Sudan receiving this independence. They're the foundation that that country will be begin to be built on. Their lives and their sacrifice and their giving. No different than we say in this country, don't ever forget the lives of the people who served to bring us the freedom that we have today. Don't ever forget the things that we have, the things that people sacrificed. They gave their life, they gave their families for, they died for. Some of them lost arms and legs and came back. Some of them never did come back. And we say, don't forget that. That's the foundation of our freedom. 
Now, in the church today, there's going to be some that are going to rise up and they're going to have to go forth. Great things have always happened by people who don't think reasonably. There's not a great thing that happened because somebody was thinking reasonably. If somebody thought reasonably about it, then the rest of everybody else would have the idea. It was somebody who, who in the natural was thinking irrationally. It was irrational for some guy in the Sudan 60 years ago to go, I think we could be free. They don't have anything. And they had even less 60 years ago. But, but, they, but they had this idea that we could be free. That's, that was an irrational thought at the time. It's okay to have spiritually irrational thoughts. You're okay to think differently spiritually in your life. You're supposed to. We're supposed to. A decided heart can't be stopped. And these people in the Sudan, they'll lay their life down today. Pastor Stanley, he would take a bullet. He would take a bullet for freedom for those kids in that, in that children's home. He would take a bullet for those kids' kids. He lived through all of this. He went down in the holes when the planes came and they bombed. I mean, they hid from all of those things, and they came out and said, I still believe. Half the village is gone, but I still believe. We haven't faced persecution yet. You're feeling the little bits and the little pieces, and you're feeling the tuggings and some of the trappings, but we haven't really faced persecution yet because as the church, we haven't really risen up yet and said, this is the direction we want to go. If you want to see persecution, let's have all of us stand up and storm the the, the state house and say, this is what we believe, and this is the direction we're going to go. If you want to see people come against you, nobody's coming in your neighborhood and burning your village because you have a flag. Nobody's coming in and burning your neighborhood because you have a Bible study. But it takes some revolutionary people to stand up, and I believe in this church we're revolutionary people. We do think a little bit differently than the world thinks. We do see things a little differently because we're people who walk in faith. And Moses was the man that God chose to take those children of Israel and bring them out of Egypt. Two and a half, some million people says 600,000 fighting men, but it says there were about two and a half million, three million people who left Egypt. That was about half the population of Egypt at that time. But they were under oppression. They weren't free citizens. They didn't have freedom. They were making bricks. And when they complained and got uppity and started saying stuff, they had to make more bricks with less stuff. See, they were oppressed. And, and Moses was the guy that God said, this is a, you can be free and I want you to take my people and I want you to lead them out. I want you to become my people, a chosen nation, and I want you to come. I'm going to take you and send you into the promised land. And so for 40 years, he was their leader for all of those years as they left. Now it was difficult. They had to fight for it They had to stand for it, and they had to be whipped for it, and they had to be beaten for it. But eventually, see, there came a day. Eventually, there came a day where Pharaoh said, yeah, yeah, get out of here. And all of those people got up, and they left with all of the riches of Egypt. They all took off. They all went into the desert. They all went into the wilderness, and they left Egypt. And I think many times the body of Christ begins to stand up like that and say, we are going out and this is what we're doing and we meet at the bridge and we pray and we do those things. But then we meet the Red Sea, just as the children of Israel did. You're going to have one persecution, two persecution, three persecution, 100 persecution, 101. You'll always face those things. I haven't found in our life that we haven't had something to face. 
Very rarely do you feel like you're storm-free. Very rarely, very rarely do you feel like you're trial-free. Why? Because God's building something on the inside of you for the next thing you face. How many are you are, are glad that you went through the battles that you went through in the past because of the things that you face today? We're not thankful when we're going through them so much. But once we get out of them and once we end up in the right place, we're very thankful. Because then we get to come to the Red Sea. And because of the faith, I'm sure Moses said, what do I do, God? And he said, lift your hands. I'm sure he didn't think, well, are you sure that's going to work? He just saw the lice and the frogs and the blood and the guts and the death and the stuff. He probably said, gotcha, sir. Boink. And the thing opens up. Now, the people were upset. The people were freaking out. They were, but that's just sheep. In your life, your children may be upset. They may not understand. But you're the leader lead i said last night when pastor pam and bill went to tulsa they didn't have a little meeting we were young i was like 13 i don't know how old Lori was i don't know the math but you know I, I we were we were younger and they didn't have a family meeting to decide if we were going to move to tulsa they felt in their hearts like that's what god had actually bill felt that in his heart i think that that was the direction and he would go there and find the meaning of his life and so we moved there they didn't consult with us how dare they and I was cranky and cantankerous about it. I wasn't thrilled. But thank God they had the gumption to have a revolutionary thought and a revolutionary faith that would take them from that place to Tulsa. Then from Tulsa, it was just another step in the plan and the line to come here and plant this church. Thank God, because now we are all a result of that revolutionary thought and that revolutionary faith. We have come before, or we have come after, and you have to be able to be, you got to be willing to sacrifice for the people who come after you in the future, because you may not see it all now, but spiritually, those things, there are people that are tied to you, that are hooked to you, but without your obedience, those things may never, ever happen or come to pass in your life, and I think sometimes we just get a little crankier than we do obedient. Your miracle sometimes, your freedom, is just beyond your obedience. So are you obedient in the things that God tells you to do? Because if you're obedient in those things, he begins to make the way. You're obedient to come out of Israel. Everybody's excited about that because that was oppression and now we're free, only to come to the Red Sea. Don't get cantankerous at the Red Sea. Find out what God's plan is. If you brought, they always said, you have brought us out here to die. And God always went, no, I didn't. I love you. That's why I brought you out here, but I'm about to take you out of this world, right? The old mama thing, I brought you in, I can take you out. I can make another one just like you. But see, in his infinite grace and mercy, he just smiled. Until they all said, no, I won't go. Until the leaders went out, like we talked about last week. So when you become disobedient, you become tank and cantankerous, God loves you and he cares about you, but then he begins to move that hand of blessing away from you. So your miracle and your freedom and the things that you are looking for and needing in your life are just beyond your obedience. Revolution is a complete or radical change, an overthrow of a system by forceful means, usually with some other system taking its place. It's taking your old thoughts, it's taking your old patterns, it's taking your old man and nature, getting rid of that and bringing in the new. When you're saved, when you're changed, when your life is being, being completely turned upside down by the word of God, you're going through a spiritual revolution in your life. The old is leaving and the new is taking its place. 
And it's like that anywhere that you go. But you have to finish what you start. You can't, you can't come to the place of the Red Sea and say, okay, God's not going to do this one. Forget it. I go away. The church went for a while going in the right direction. This country was headed in the right direction, and people were doing most of the things that God put in the hearts of the people who founded this country. There were good things going on. And then somewhere, we talked about it last week, the country took a shift and took a change and went a different direction. And that's when the church faces a Red Sea moment and has to stand up and say something, but nobody did. See, nobody, nobody decided that we're going to draw the line in the sand we're going to make a difference. There were a couple generations in there that just kind of half dropped the ball spiritually as we went through those things. And now that's where we are, and that's why we're here. Now, we're all fighting. We're all scrapping. You're not saying that all of us turned our backs and didn't say anything, but there, there wasn't that, that leading. There wasn't that unity. There wasn't that thing that takes us in the right direction. You have to finish what you start. There are people who are tied to you, tied to your life, and tied to your future. It's like back to the future. Did you ever see that? I mean, all those things that happened were because of the things that went on today. And if he changed anything, that was going to change what happened then. Esther and Mordecai were in this kind of position, and Esther was the one who had the position where she could actually be groomed to be someone who had the king's ear. And Mordecai knew the plan was to kill all of the people. All of the Jews were going to be killed. Well, that's a wicked plan. That's what the enemy has wanted from the beginning of time was to wipe them off the face of the earth because they're God's children. So he comes to her and says, this is the deal. You are the chosen one. You have been put here for this time to go do this thing. But don't you dare think, it says in Esther, don't you dare think that if you don't do it, you're going to be okay. And for too long, we've decided that, you know what, we'll just let somebody else do it. And I'm kind of piggybacking on last week, but thank God in the South Sudan, all these people who were dying and slaughtering, and my brother was killed, and my mom was killed, and my dad was slaughtered, but I am still going to stand and go forward regardless of the loss Regardless of the cost, I still believe in the dream of freedom. And so these people continued on. No different than Esther, as, she, as he said, do not think in your own heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all of the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews, but it'll come from some other place. But you and your father's house will perish. And I'm not saying that, that, that you're going to perish, but I am saying that in this scripture, you begin to read this, you begin to see that if we don't go the direction that God's called us to go as individual people in our own homes with our own family, if we don't go the direction that we're supposed to go as a church and as a group, as the body of Christ in this country, then we need to be careful because there will arise some other revolution. There will arise somebody else who will take that cause on. And it doesn't go well for us if we decide that we're not going to do that. It says, your father's house will perish, yet who knows whether you have been, been brought into this kingdom for such a time as this. So she had to begin to believe it was possible. She had to, begin, she had to make a choice. See, she had to be the one who said, okay, I believe that's true. I'm the one. And she knows, taking her life into her own hands as she busts through those doors into the throne room of the king to tell him this plan and to hope, just hope, that he might stop it if she has his ear. There's no guarantee that this will happen. There is no guarantee that as she goes in there and does that, that the children of Israel will live. But she is willing to risk her life, her position, everything that she is for those who come after her. And through the, day, through the doors she goes and stops the plan. You know, it's like the guy who had the son who was demon-possessed in Mark in chapter 9. And he came to Jesus and the disciple says, we can't do anything with it. We don't know what's going on here. 
In your world, you need to operate in an atmosphere of faith. You need to be surrounded by faith, by the word, by praise, by worship. Fellowshipping with those, being connected with those who are of like faith. You need to be surrounded in an atmosphere of faith because in an atmosphere of faith, that's where miracles happen. That's where God has an opportunity and ability to operate. But when you put yourself in positions where there's no atmosphere of faith, what's left? The flesh, the natural. And Jesus said, hey, 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 don't think it's my power. It's your belief that makes this happen. And the guy said, help me in my unbelief. See, when you have an opportunity and you have something put in your heart, a dream, a thing, or whatever that is, you have to be the one who believes for it, not the person standing next to you. They can agree with you. They can be part of that atmosphere of faith. They can speak the word over you, but you have to be the one who believes. And he didn't come to the man at this time. He he didn't come to the boy. He came to the man and said, you've got to believe. And he said, help me in my unbelief. Not help me be a better dad. Not help me be a better father. Not help me be a better leader. Not any of those things. He said, help me in my unbelief. If belief is the way that my son's going to be free, then help me to believe. That guy, I don't know him and I haven't heard anything or you don't read anything about this in the word, but it might go to figure that, you know, that guy may have said, take my life, but spare his. Save him if I have to go down. It's that kind of thought. That's revolutionary. It's revolutionary to stand up and say, I'm going to do something different regardless of the cost. But we have to have that kind of thought life. I believe we do in this church. It's revolutionary to think that a church here in Lafayette is going to raise $100,000 and change the South Sudan. I mean, come on. We've sent, we've sent a lot of money. I do not know and I can't say for sure, but I would venture to guess over the last five years, quarter of a million dollars, easy, I would think. I know in the last year it was more than $100,000. So I just, going back five years, you know, somewhere along that, that we have poured into the South Sudan. So much so that we had to answer a few questions from the government. Excuse me. <laughs> it's a war-torn country. It, this place, is, this place is, is not a vacation facility. You, it's not a resort. You're not going to a spa. This is a war-torn country. People are buying weapons and killing each other. And we're sending all this money in. And they said, well, whoa, 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 just kind of give us an idea what that's about. <laughs> it's, it's normal. I mean, if you wanted to send a ton of cash, they'd ask you too. It's not like we're... We're special, but they, that, that's, that's how serious this is. The government went, uh, excuse me, why, why, why are you doing that? Because we believe in what's going on, and we're sending it to this ministry to help this guy with his, with his ministry, with his church, with his school, with his children's home. It's simple. They just say, okay, good for you. Just checking. They want to make sure we're not buying anybody grenades. We're not. We're fighting a different battle. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty to the pulling, God, pulling down of strongholds. We don't fight the same fight as everybody else. But you have to live in, a, in an atmosphere of faith. And in your home, that's you. See, every movement, every revolution, there's a leader. There's somebody that's in charge, somebody that's heading that direction, somebody that's sharing the vision, somebody somewhere all those years ago in South Sudan stood up and said, I believe we can be free. And then he passed that vision on to somebody else. And the people who believed it over here, and the people who believed it over here, and the people who believed it over here, they begin to band together and say, I know we can. Now, 60 years later, they have a day of independence. They sign the Constitution, and the world looks on South Sudan as the newest country in the world. A Christian nation, free to worship as they choose and to go the direction in this world that their leaders take them. 
and telling the rest of the world that's who they are and that's the right they have. But two million people gave up their lives for that. I'm not saying we're going to have to go out in the street with bayonets and sickles and the whole thing, but I am telling you this. You will have to put who you are at risk. You have to. Spiritually in this world, Jesus didn't come here for us to keep a little bit of us on the side. He came into this world for us to be more like him. He gave us an opportunity to walk through that door like we did in Easter. It's kicked open. It's gone. You have to walk through that door. But when you walk through that door, what that does is begin to peel off all of you. There's, there's the most joy, the most peace. People in this world are looking for joy, peace, happiness, fulfillment, all of these things, and they're disappointed. They don't want to follow Jesus because they think if they follow Jesus, they can't have any of these things, and that's just a lie of the enemy because the truth is all of those things are found through that door with him. If I perish, she said, I perish, and if I die, I die. But we have to be the ones who fight. We have to be the ones who think we have to be the ones who meditate. We have to be the ones who lead in our homes, lead with our children, lead with our country, lead with our jobs, lead with our city. Lead. See, we are the leaders. You, me. You have influence. We've been talking about it for months and months and months and months. Why? Because it's true, and you have to realize that you have influence. The things that you say do matter, even if it's just you by yourself. Even if it's just you and your home by yourself, you with your kids, if you're a single mom, or you're here and you're divorced and you're a dad who doesn't have their kids, you, you still have power to speak the truth. And God is with you. But he said, like he said in Mark chapter 9, do you believe? Do you believe in your dream? Do you believe in your cause? Do you believe in the thing that God put in your heart? Because you'll face situations and circumstances that won't say that's true. He's dealing with me in areas too in my life. I'm asking questions and he's, he's telling me things. And I shake him off and I ask again. And then he continues to tell me the same thing. But that's exciting. That means that he's getting down to that point. See, I'm coming to that, I'm coming to that place in my life where I'm just like, the, just like the children of Israel had to say, okay, I'll do it. Moses had to say, this is who I am. And he said, no, this is who you are. No, this is who I am. He said, no, this is who you are. This is who I am. No, this is who you are. He had to come to a point in his life where he said, Okay, that's who I am. We all come to those points. They're just Red Sea moments, just different ones as you move. So today, are we people who will be willing to have revolutionary thoughts, to have revolutionary faith, to make a difference? If you make a difference in the church, praise God. If you make a difference in this city, praise God. If you make a difference in this country, praise God. But will you make a difference in your house? Will you make a difference in your home where you live? with the people that God's called you to. He gave you a family. He put you in a family. You didn't get to pick them, really. Those are the ones he gave you. So when you look at the little brood of those little ones in the back of your truck, he gave you all them. So love them. Don't think you can make any more like them. But he gave you those. He put those in your life. He puts you in somebody else's life. He, he, he loved you enough. He loved them enough. He knows exactly who you are. Begin to love who you are. Don't rue who you're not. That means, that means don't have those, those sorrowful thoughts of who I aren't and who I can't be and, and who, who I think I should be. Love who you are. I mean, all those people in South Sudan, they could have all sat in their huts and said, I wish we were free. 
I know God wants us to be free, but I wish we were. They had to stand up and get a knife and they had to go out and they had to say, you know what? I am free. You are free. Love who you are. Love who you are. Love who God created you to be. Love the children that he gave you. Love the parents that he sent you through. Start there. Why not? I love all of you. Elizabeth, we love you. But man, I'm telling you what, our kids, that man, I, I, can't, I cannot get enough of those two. I love them. They don't do everything right. They're like yours. <laughs> They're like we used to be. <laughs> but I could, th- I could think about a lot of things that I wish I was or I could have been or what would have happened or what would have been different if a... Don't go there. Love who you are today. That's a revolutionary thought for some of you. That you can love who you are. And you can love where you are. Let's stand up together this morning and pray. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.